check. On this episode, we discuss the Pearls app. It's a one of the, probably one of the coolest drug information resources I've seen um, in quite some time. I uh, hope you enjoyed the episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of RX Radio. I'm your host, Richard Waith, and today I have a very special guest with me, uh, Dr. Derek Borkowski. Welcome to the show. Hi, Richard. Uh, thanks for having me. So I'm really excited about today's conversation because um, you've, you're doing a lot of exciting things, a lot of things that like I can't even imagine <laughs> doing, and um, I'm, I'm excited to kind of dive into your story, what you're working on. Um, and, and get into like digital health and, you know, being a developer and things like that and, and what some of the passions that you have are. So, um, thanks for taking the time and coming on. And, um, before we jump into some of the questions I have for you, can you just uh, start by telling the listeners a little bit about yourself? Well, thanks Richard. Yeah. So my name is Derek Borkowski. Um, I'm a pharmacist and a software engineer, and currently I live in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Um, I'm a Minnesota native, uh, 2018 graduate uh, from the university of Minnesota on the Duluth campus. And really, um, my mom actually worked in a pharmacy. So growing up um, really early on, I say as early as eighth grade, I, I wanted to be a pharmacist, you know, not totally understanding all the different career opportunities, but everything from, you know, high school and undergrad along the way sort of reinforced my interest. And so entering pharmacy school, I was actually really interested in becoming a community pharmacist. I'd had no exposure to programming or digital health or tech or anything at that point. However, you know, like most during that first year in school, you get really exposed to all the different opportunities that a pharmacist can have. And so pretty early, I was interested in um, non-traditional career paths. Um, and so actually, the first interest I had, and sorry if I, you know, I'm taking a little time to, to uh, kind of expand upon this here, but I think it's it's really common for a uh, kind of a roundabout backstory for pharmacists and technology. And so really, the first interest I had in non-traditional pharmacy was with industry. And so it was actually between my second and third year of pharmacy school that I was doing an internship out at Milan Pharmaceuticals near Pittsburgh. And that summer, I happened to be reading uh, Steve Jobs' biography and was kind of blown away by it. So I just hadn't really known much about the tech industry. It's not really very large you know, or, or common profession you know, where I come from. And so I was blown away by you know, the story of the founding of Apple. And I was really just like, Wow, you know, are, are people still doing this? Is are people building tech companies? You know, I want to, I want to get involved in this. And you know, fast forward, I got, you know, learned about you know Silicon Valley and technology companies, and and then all the interesting things that people are doing in health tech. And so, you know, right there, I sort of decided that I, I hope that I can build a career where I combine my clinical knowledge, you know, or live at the you know the intersection of healthcare and technology, which I think is a really common theme among pharmacists like you and myself who. Who work, you know, in this industry. So once I got back to school, my third year of pharmacy school there, I uh, happened to come across a startup in Minneapolis called MyMeds, which is focused on medication adherence. And I was fortunate to get an opportunity to contribute to the team while I was still a student and learning more about startups in the tech industry, you know, with a hands-on experience. Um, fast forward to graduation, you know, I knew I wanted to get a career in this area. And so after graduating, I had the opportunity to at Walgreens as a community pharmacist, as well as take on a larger role on the product team at MyMeds. And uh, about a year and a half in, so around late 2019, is when I started to get 
uh, you know, the itch to start my own company. And so that's what I'm working on today, which is um, Cosmos Health. So I'm curious as to when did you become a, a software engineer? Like when did that happen? <laughs> Yeah, I actually kind of, I, I usually kind of forget to like mention that piece uh, in my story because it happened, you know, really subtly. I've told a few versions to people about how I started programming because I don't really remember myself. It was definitely after I started being an intern at MyMeds during my third year of school, just getting the chance to work with software engineers and people in that space. Um, one, of, one of my mentors there put me on to, hey, you know, actually you can kind of learn some of this programming stuff. And I think you might be interested in that because, you know, you like giving suggestions about what sort of product features we should build or things we should try out. And actually, you know, you can, it's pretty easy to learn these things. And so, you know, with healthcare, it just wasn't, it didn't really dawn on me that it's, that you could learn something, especially so inapproachable seeming as tech is without doing, you know, formal education. Because obviously in healthcare, you know, we need to have the ability to learn from clinicians and interact with patients to really nail it down. But actually, you know, with software engineering, you can kind of just get started on the internet. That's um, how most people, uh, you know, continue to teach themselves who are in the profession. So I think I started first just on like Khan Academy, taking like a really simple HTML course. So this is again, probably like 2016. And really, as soon as I started doing it, it just, I, I got blown away by it and kind of fell down a, a rabbit hole. So I, at first it, it was really just like, like a hobby that I really enjoyed. So again, this is while I'm in school still, it was like, you know, people enjoy, you know, playing guitar or video games or, you know, any kind of hobby. Programming became a hobby for me that I eventually sort of just became obsessed with. So fast forward over the next, you know, the ensuing, you know, four or five years here, um, I, I built my skills through online programs and courses, but really the most, the driving force behind learning to be where I am now, which, so just for some context, what I program, I program websites and, and mobile apps. And so a lot of what I've had to learn or what I don't know is the result of just wanting to build the next thing. So like for, for my, you know, my current products I'm working on, whatever feature I want to see next, well, now I need to go teach myself how to do that. Or I want to build a mobile app. Okay, go learn. And really the, the internet, the beauty of the internet is, uh, you know, obviously that that's where this information resides. You said you read the Steve Jobs book. I actually read that book also, and I was actually pretty inspired by it. And, um, but I'm interesting to know what, what, <laughs> In that book, do you see yourself as a Steve Jobs or as the Waz? Um, I would say more leaning towards the Steve Jobs, you know, especially when I first read it, because I didn't really, you know, think that learning technology, tech skills, like being able to code or become a software engineer uh, was attainable at the time. Interesting. Okay. No, because because I feel like you have you have the skills probably more so I mean you probably have both but like you know just I was wondering kind of where your head was at so that was interesting now I have so many questions around this because I there's a lot of pharmacists that want to go into technology and we're definitely going to get into um, like Cosmos Health and everything like that and, and what you're working on but sticking on this you know becoming a a you know an engineer or developer and learning how to code you know within pharmacy school a lot of pharmacists and students think that, you know, when they're going into, they want to go into technology and informatics that like having a background like this is, you know, a lot of times, sometimes they think that they have to know how to code or something like that. Um, but I, I think there's also, I think it's extremely hard. And I think if, if it's your hobby and you get obsessed with it, it actually becomes probably easy. But, you know, if you're doing it as like, a, oh, I have to do this because, you know, you feel like you need to do it to be competitive, it, it becomes extremely challenging. So what are your thoughts on kind of pharmacists that want to go into like informatics and like them learning how to code? 
Yeah, I kind of have two separate um, things I'd say about that. The first thing is technology is interesting where it seems like a uniquely unapproachable domain to learn. Like, again, for me, it's, it's just so foreign to what we typically learn in school as clinicians that it seems like it's uniquely you know, impossible to get a grasp of. But really, you know, no one blinks their eye at pharmacists getting business degrees or, you know, law, law degrees, or public health degrees. And so I think the first thing is just the mindset that pharmacists could have, which is, and students, this is just like any, any other domain. And, it, you know, you're in a doctor of pharmacy program. You're absolutely competent enough to pick up this new area. It's not as impossible as it seems to learn. But the second thing I'd say is in terms of how much you need to learn, it's actually, you know, I would say just getting familiar with the principles. You know, if some, I think every, you know, pharmacy, pharmacist or pharmacy student who wants to work in technology would benefit simply from, you know, just a few hours on a Saturday learning some basic programming principles because it sort of gives you the vernacular and, and you know, an understanding of how just really basic principles that allow you to then bring your, your clinical domain expertise you know, to this area. Because I would say, yeah, if, if I wasn't working on my own company, I don't think I would be looking to do a software engineering role professionally. I, I would want to be doing a product management role or in a role where I'm giving my clinical domain expertise um, to, the, to, the t to the company or to the team and then working with engineers. Um, and so just ha having just some basic understanding can help that conversation. Yeah, because I, you know, frankly, I actually tried, I, I knew I wanted to be, you know, on like the, the edge of technology and just understanding how it like works with healthcare. So it's like, oh, maybe I should learn how to code, you know? So I go to like learn Swift because I'm like, oh, Apple like has, you know, there's Apple products and, you know, I think this is going to be a good domain to go into. And I tried to learn Swift and um, uh, I think I got to a point where I was like, all right, program a calculator or something like that. And it's just, it was so hard. And I was just like this is not, this is not for me. <laughs> like I'm not going to be a coder or a developer or anything like that. Um, and, and I just, you know, I just kind of put that down, but I just feel like you, and I, but I didn't have that obsession, you know, like I, it was just kind of doing it cause I felt like I kind of needed that as a skill, but you know, um, I didn't have that obsession with it, but I do see how you can probably learn a lot in terms of just kind of like surface level and just getting an understanding of the basics of, of a lot of these things. So you can lead a team of developers or software engineers um, on the product management side. Yeah, definitely. And if I could just respond to that quick, actually, Richard, you kind of jotted my memory there. I think one of the first things I did try and learn actually was, was also like Swift and Apple. Cause I was like, I want to build like apps. That'd be really cool. That was like the first thing I thought I wanted to learn. And actually it was my, one of my mentors at Minutes who said, uh, you should probably start with, um, HTML or start with websites. Um, and that was the best advice I ever heard because yeah, I do remember spending maybe a few hours trying to learn Swift and like, how do I build an app? And it was very impossible seeming. But the thing about building websites is that really with a, with a half hour course, you can start seeing your website come to life on the page. And then there's this really powerful positive feedback loop. So I think, yeah, it's really, um, you know, that can be a barrier as well. And, and that's one thing where, you know, we can talk more about this, but I think that, you know, pharmacists learning skills with data analytics, like learning programming languages like Python and R and really mastering SQL and even Microsoft Excel, learning those skills can be kind of hard because the practice problems aren't that exciting. A lot of times you'll get data sets that are kind of boring or, you know, uh, you know, just because that's, you know, that makes sense to practice on. And so courses will provide you with those. But um, it's not until you get a chance to be at like a company with a, who has a lot of really interesting healthcare data that you can work with that it's like, wow, now this is coming together. Now I see why I want to do this. So I think there's 
a little bit of a, or I think that's a helpful thing to know for anyone who's interested in, especially doing data analytics as a pharmacist, because I think that's really where opportunities are, like near-term job opportunities that, yeah, part of that uh, learning process definitely is a little bit of a, you know, a struggle and you just kind of got to power through it and, and get, get that information. And let's say I, I did want to go that route, right? I mean, I'm sure there's all sorts of like certificates and degrees and things like that available, but it seems like you didn't really do any of that. Like you just kind of took it upon yourself to use all the resources available on the internet and just like, and just like dive right in. Yeah, I would say yeah, that is the, that's a huge topic. The, the question of, should I do a boot camp? Should I do a, you know, a master's of health informatics degree at my university or, or should I self-teach? And I think the only fair answer is, you know, to each their own. Um, they all have their pros and cons. And so exploring each of those opportunities, or I should say methods for learning um, is, is worthwhile to, to understand the pros and cons. Um, but yeah, the, the way that I did uh, take was, you know, this self-directed path uh, for, for better and worse. I do, um, you know, I, I do feel very fortunate that, like I mentioned, I had things in mind that I wanted to build and that, and, and the positive feedback loop of the route I went down with seeing products come to life, uh, you know, is what kept me going you know, in addition to, to finding it very interesting versus just, you know, being like, this isn't for me uh, early on. Makes sense. Well, I appreciate that. Insight. Which is fine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate that insight. That's, that's definitely helpful, I think for, for some. Um, so, all right, let's, now let's switch gears and talk about uh, uh, Cosmos Health. And so tell us about the journey there. What is it? Um, you know, what's that been like kind of getting that started? Kind of, I guess, what led to it also? Like what said, all right, like I got to do my own thing instead. Um, tell me, tell me the, the story there. Yeah, you know, I hear a lot of entrepreneurs on podcasts who say, you know, they were selling candy out of their locker, you know, when they were in elementary school. And, you know, they've sort of been an entrepreneur their whole life or, you know, delivering the newspaper. That was definitely not me. I, um, you know, I, kinda, I guess I, you know, I grew up around a family business, but I didn't really, you know, think early on that starting my own company was something that I, you know, absolutely had to do or absolutely wanted to do. However, during pharmacy school, I was sort of interested in like, you know, independent pharmacy ownership in those types of areas. So I would say in pharmacy schools, when I first kind of got a small itch to, oh, I think it'd be really great to start my own thing. And then this was, you know, learn, after learning about the technology industry and startups, that's when I would say while I was in pharmacy school still, I knew that someday I wanted to start my own company. So especially having had the opportunity to work uh, at a startup like, like MyMeds here in Minneapolis, and learning the ins and outs of a you know, tech startup, that was when I you know, learned and confirmed my own interests that I definitely want to go start my own company. So yeah, like I mentioned, it was um, around the middle of 2019 that I was uh, starting to work you know, nights and weekends on my own uh, you know, little side project, which turned into uh, Cosmos Health. So what I'm focused on is building modern medical information software. So the flagship products of um, Cosmos Health is uh, Pearls, which is P-Y-R-L-S. It's, it's a pun on clinical pearls. And I'm focused on building um, digitally native drug information experiences. So just to dive a little bit into something, I think that's kind of interesting there. Um, so when the internet first started, or even when you think about converting things in the physical world to the internet, oftentimes what we do is we replicate what's in the physical world on a website page. So for example, the first news websites and blogs, you know, they look exactly like a newspaper on, on the page. There's the content in the center, 
and there's the advertisements on the top and around the sides, you know, these banner ads. And one thing that was learned that's that's still true today is those banner ads do not have really great click-through rates. Um, however, it was, and so again, this is, um, you know, where in the newspaper, in the physical world, you know, advertising for newspapers is, you know, their main source of business. And so it was really Facebook that, you know, other companies do this now as well and had been doing it at the time. But Facebook invented the newsfeed, which is a digitally native experience. So you cannot replicate the Facebook newsfeed in the physical world. And so they would, you know, in between where there's the posts that your friends make, there's advertisements in, inside the newsfeed. And these have incredibly high click-through rates, especially compared to banner ads. And so what I began thinking about was how can we build a digitally native drug information experience? So drug information resources now, you know, they, they very much are analogs of the physical drug information books that came before them. And, and that's how we utilize them. We think of them sort of like eBooks. And obviously people are working, you know, in this area, including the existing companies, but that's really what, what I'm focused on with Cosmos Health is building, um, building new modern drug information and building digitally enabled um, experiences for accessing that drug information around clinician workflow. Well, you like completely kind of opened my eyes a little bit of kind of like seeing how that physical world, you know, was turned into websites and then how that digitally native kind of Facebook feed is just not replicatable. That's, it's actually pretty fascinating. Honestly, I've never thought about it that way. Like until you had just mentioned that. Um, and I can see why, you know, why something like an, more native ad kind of works in that feed, especially as less, it's less friction. Um, yeah, I think, I think that's very, that's very interesting actually. So what, what other products, um, are a part of the portfolio of, um, Cosmos Health? So you mentioned pearls, which by the way, first, before we move on to the other things, like can, how can people like, I guess, interact with this now? Like what is the access point for pearls? Like, is it, is it a website? Is it an app? Um, you know, what's, what's like the social media for it? Like, yeah, no, thanks for asking all that. So, yeah. So for Cosmos health pearls is sort of the flagship product and that's what the vast majority of the effort is, is spent upon. And so what per, I, I just sort of described what the, what the mission and the vision for Cosmos health is in, in pearls are in terms of building, you know, modern medical information software. So right now at this point, what pearls is, is, it's a top 300 drug summaries reference. So I'd sort of compare it to like um, the top 300 drug study cards that pharmacy students will buy in school or, you know, practicing pharmacists will buy to review. And so it's like a digital version of those. And how I'm experimenting right now with some of these digitally native experiences that I talked about is instead of it being a flashcard, um, the, the mobile app in particular. So yeah, sorry, it's a, it's a website, you know, at pearls.com, you can find it. And there's mobile app access as well on, on both iOS and Android. And so it's a, the, the information right now is not as comprehensive or as expansive as existing drug ref information references, but it's really focused on getting uh, student clinicians and clinicians quickly up to speed on the most commonly prescribed drugs. And just to give a specific example of a digitally native workflow, there's there's specific like a, a counseling there's a counseling button on both the website and the mobile app and it brings you right into very specifically written out counseling points and you can click on them to read more information if you'd so like so that's the extent of what the pearls product is right now beyond that um what, one thing i'm really passionate about that i'm happy to have turned into a, a live project recently is another website called pharmacist.dev so you know just like you know pharmacist.com is um, you know, APHA, our, our uh, central organization's website, 
pharmacist.dev was actually was a domain that I bought a while back just sort of because I thought it sounded cool. And it was becoming popular to buy .dev domains. Um, just on, on like Twitter, I think I noticed a trend for this. However, so we had been sitting, you know, just sort of in my, I have a graveyard of unused domains. And so it had been sort of sitting there as I was looking for something to, to do with it. And really over the last six months, I've had an opportunity to meet pharmacists like yourself and others working in digital health. And I thought it'd be really great to have a, a place to showcase everything that everyone's doing. And specifically because the one thing I noticed about like pharmacists and technology is that there's nothing similar about us beyond that statement right there. You know, whether it be, you know, the types of jobs that pharmacists are working in technology, often there's not a linear path to do, to do what they're doing. You know, most pharmacists, you know, their journey is, you know, describing how they fell into their role, you know, backwards or sideways. You know, it's not, there was not, a, it was not necessarily what they intended to do. And so there's just so many different roles that pharmacists are playing at technology companies now, as well as just things pharmacists are working on, like, like Arx Radio, you know, the, this media company, or, you know, pharmacists are setting up their own websites for blogging, for doing health coaching, uh, for being, being a consultant. And so I wanted to just get a place where we can sort of showcase everything and anything that pharmacists are doing with technology with really no constraints, just as a way to inspire other pharmacists um, as well as, you know, promote the, the pharmacists that are doing this work. Because, you know, we can we can go into this, but I think, you know, it's all through pharmacy school, and, and I'm relatively new to the profession still, there's talk of how, you know, dispensing, of course, is becoming a less reliable source of revenue for pharmacists. And so we need to find ways to get paid for our cognitive abilities. And so the most obvious ways are, you know, through clinical uh, cognitive services like MTM. However, I think another way to look at it is pharmacists, I think the technology industry is really promising for pharmacists to use their cognitive abilities, you know, in these roles, whether it be building their own thing, their own side project that they can generate revenue through or getting the job at a technology company where, you know, these companies have very high margins. So there's high incentive for them to bring in pharmacists and be able to compensate them for their clinical domain knowledge, you know, their, their cognitive abilities. And so that's really what I just, you know, the, the it's new pharmacist.dev and it's, you know, it's futures unwritten. You know, I just really want it to be a place where we can showcase everything that pharmacists are doing, again, adjacent to technology. You know, it's funny you mentioned the domain names. Uh, I feel like there's a common thread of entrepreneurs that have like just a graveyard of domain names that they just have like just in case. Like I have like 100 domain names like on my GoDaddy account that I just like just Love in case, it. you know, and, and I've been buying them for a while. Some of them, you know, I let them expire, but... And then you learn, obviously, like everyone gets excited about doing it. You just buy a bunch and not not sure what works. Um, but I bought some and I've, I've, I've flipped a couple. Um, but I have like one random one that just came to mind. I have like vrhealth.io. Like I literally own that one just in case, you know, you never know what's going to happen. Oh, I love it. <laughs> um, That'd be a great, great podcast, Richard, if you could go through all your domains and, uh, you know, just talk about the ideas there. That uh, Just that in itself. I, I'm just smiling because, yeah, I'm in the same boat uh, where, where there's so many you know, my, I only want to look at my bank statement uh, on an annual basis of yeah. how many domains I'm, I'm renewing and not doing anything with. <laughs> I've definitely lost a lot of money just holding them. It's so stupid. Like it's such a stupid, like thing to have, especially cause you know, a lot of times we just don't, don't spend the time to it, but then you never know. Like it just, sometimes it turns into something. It, it, that's funny though. It would be an interesting conversation to have just like a, <laughs> like, let's see what you have in your arsenal of domain names ready to go. Um, I'm trying to think of other. Oh, I got this one's really interesting, and, and this was like a just in case, like when like I, I think marijuana started becoming like legalized in a lot of places. 
I think I own potgolf.com. <laughs> oh my goodness. Just in wow. case. You never know. You never know if that's going to be needed and someone's going to have to pay me for it. So but. I, I think my most ridiculous one that I'm owning that I actually, you know, again, it depends on, you know, the mood I'm in or how much coffee I've had, but I, I'm, I own Fizz Hunt and I want it, I want it to be a um, website where we, everyone upranks and votes on what the best sparkling waters are. Uh, Cause I, I consume like six cans of bubbly or LaCroix a day. And so I, yeah, it's just, well, it's funny to hear about your uh, domain Joan as well. Yeah. I got into it when um, the, the like dot Miami's and like the dot city started coming out. Cause I was like, Oh, I'm going to get, get all these like dot Miami ones, which was a bus for the most part. I think. <laughs> um, but, uh, but I, I definitely got some like dot orgs and dot coms and got into like the dot IO space. So, but anyway, that was a huge, um, uh, tangent, which I, but I thought was funny to go down. But all right, so what else is on? Is there anything else in the pipeline of um, of Cosmos that you can share with us in terms of like what? Like I know it sounds like Pearls is probably like going to be the flagship and, and where you put a lot of attention to. But anything else that's like interesting that's maybe on the horizon for um, for what you're working on as a part of like maybe like have some breaking news here that no one's ever heard about. You want to share? <laughs> Um, you know, not really. I think I, I have very big ambitions for for pearls and what pearls can become for you know being a, a clinical decision support tool for for pharmacists and clinicians as well as just a you know learning and studying reference. And so you know, hoping to really be doing some interesting uh, things in the future. Like I described, sort of the product's current state. You know, as as opposed to the, the company's mission. You know, there's really just a lot out in that space that I hope to explore and experiment to you know help clinicians get information faster to become more efficient, you know, reduce medical errors. And so I think there's a lot of promise for exploring, you know, digitally native ways that pharmacists and clinicians can interact with the medical information that, you know, drives their decisions. You know, and I've seen like the um, kind of like the user experience for Pearls and it's, it's really amazing. I mean, you know, if you look, you compare that to just what's kind of known as the standards now, like it's, it's so different and it's just so time for a refresh like that. So I'm really excited to see kind of uh, what, what the future of, of Pearls is going to look like. So, I appreciate that. All right. So let's kind of move away from all of the great things that you're working on and just get kind of pick your brain in general. Um, what sort of technology would you say kind of being someone that's into, you know, tech and, um, you know, have, have a, a good footing in the space? Like what what excites you the most about technology and how it relates to healthcare? Yeah, you know, well, you have to tell me if this is similar for you, but at least myself and a lot of my pharmacist friends, I find that we're the least interested in taking medicines. You know, we, as a last, you know, we don't, as a last resort, we take drugs or we almost have a skepticism because of all that we know about them. And so, you know, if I'm, if I have a headache, I'm, you know, I think about taking the ibuprofen, but it's like, you know, do I really want to do that to my kidneys? Uh, or, you know, <laughs> I, I, I'm like, I'm going I'm to hold out. And so, you know, be, from a te- technology perspective, you know, there's lots of really fancy, you know, buzzwords and jargon like AI and machine learning. And, the, and there's a potential, you know, there's certainly a lot of promise on the horizon for, you know, evolving technologies like these. But how I kind of think about what I'm most excited about is anytime technology can reduce friction. So, like, I think about, like, what are some of the, let me just be clear about that. What are, in my mind, the best innovations whether you use digital tools or not, are things that reduce friction. So, for example, like when the public health service, you know, decided that we should put fluoride in the in, in the municipal water supplies. I think that's such an amazing invention because it doesn't require anybody to do anything, and we're just going to have better lives as a result of it. Or even like vaccines, right? Just get one vaccine, you know, every ten years, 
or however often, and you're going to be protected from this disease. And so anything that reduces te technology, oftentimes as part of, you know, trying to figure out new ways to do things, even digitally, we end up, you know, creating more friction. You know, you, now you have to, you know, go into this app or not, now you have to, you know, log on to this website or, you know, and so technology that any technology that reduces friction um, and thinking, you know, thinking about it that way is are things I'm really excited about. And so just to give an example in sort of the kind of general world. So like, like Twitter, for example, or even Facebook, you know, you'd have to, you know, in five minutes of scrolling your newsfeed, you know, assuming you follow, you know, the right, you know, the right sources or whatever, or, or you know, you know, let's just talk about following news sources. You know, you could follow all, all the different kinds of news companies and you could in five minutes of scrolling your timeline, you could see, you know, you could, you could get really up to speed on the news of the day versus having to review all those sites individually or review all those newspapers individually. So finding ways for technology to reduce friction and maximize sort of efficiency, especially around like habit creating, um, which I think is, you know, it's really promising for that in healthcare are kind of what I'm most excited about. Now, what about like, is there, is there any specific like digital health companies that you have like an eye on or things that kind of uh, maybe piqued your interest that you've heard about recently or in the last couple of years? Yeah, actually, well, just, just being in the medical information space, um, there's a company called Informed out of Atlanta, uh, Georgia, and they're building um, essentially uh, drug information as a service. So they build a mobile app that allows uh, clinical pharmacists or other clinicians at hospitals or really in any setting to ask essentially like hard question, hard nuanced drug information questions to, and then it routes that question to a drug information center who then gets back to these clinicians with, with the answer of what's available. Uh, just recently, they put out some press, you know, kind of branding what they're doing is drive through for PubMed, which I think is is really interesting. So that's definitely a company that I'm I'm keeping an eye on, especially like I mentioned, being in the medical information space. I think they're doing something really powerful for kind of what I just described, where they're they're reducing the friction of one clinical pharmacist having to do literature searches on a really nuanced, you know, drug information question, and allowing you know, essentially creating a separate brain for that, for these, for these clinical pharmacists to be able to outsource the heavy lifting of that uh, literature search to, well, then they take the information once it comes back and put it into practice. I would, I would imagine that experience is through text, right? Or do they have it where you can call and things like that and talk to people? Uh, they actually have a, have a mobile app now. So you can kind of like type your question in on the fly, whether you're at rounds or sitting at your station and and just uh, the question gets automatically routed through their service to to a drug information center, who then um, gets back uh, through the mobile app uh, with uh, what the available published literature on a certain subject is. Hmm, that's interesting. That's interesting. Well, no, that that I haven't heard of that yet, so I'm gonna definitely look into it. It's pretty. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's another pharmacist-led company too, I should say. Uh, um, Ashish Advani is the is the founder of of that company, and so it's really great, you know. Him and you know founders like yourself are people I really admire as a new uh, entrepreneur pharmacist in the space. Thank you. That, that's awesome. Yeah. Now, one thing I did want to um, mention as well is like how we connected and, and maybe get your thoughts on this as well. But like Clubhouse has been like the kind of rave in terms of like new social media, and um, and you know it's it's so new, it's such a new platform. And I, I do believe this episode is coming out after an episode I did um, specifically talking about Clubhouse. So. Um, so I think people will be a little bit familiar with it if they've listened to the previous episode, but if not, um, 
what are your so clubhouse is essentially like a new social media app that um, it reminds me of like the old school like aol rooms where you can just jump into like any room and kind of just start talking to random people that's also in that room but um, this is a very similar um, experience but it's all through audio like there's no text involved and um, it's actually how i met I, I think i've seen pearls online at some point maybe but in terms of connecting with you personally the first time we connected was on clubhouse so um, maybe you can like any initial thoughts or like, like, what do you think about clubhouse? Cause I know, I know you're using it, um, you know, when you have time as well, but tell us like, what's that been like for you and any, any insights on clubhouse? Yeah. I'm kind of like, also like just smiling here because it's such a, it's such a bizarre experience. I really, again, you mentioned sort of a, a precursor to it, you know, the, the AOL, those chat rooms, but you know, I feel like I, it's, I haven't really myself personally, I haven't really experienced any kind of social media app like it. So, you know, for, for better and worse um, in terms of it's very, how I've described it. And I'd love to hear how you, maybe you described it uh, as well as like to somebody new who I'm trying to invite, I'll say it's kind of like Twitter mixed with podcasts that you can also join. Mm-hmm. And then I'll say, but not, but not really. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it, Cause it's such a, it's such an interesting experience. And so, yeah, what I've found most, uh, you know, at first I was just, joined clubhouse and you can obviously listen to audio chats um, happening anywhere in the world amongst um, all sorts of groups of people. Um, but really, yeah, over the last several weeks um, I've, I've really found it to be so you know, incredibly valuable for like, like you mentioned, you know, we met through there, but also um, in terms of networking. So I meet LinkedIn, I meet people on LinkedIn. I feel like quite frequently in my professional network and there's something, you know, really nice about connecting on LinkedIn and sharing some messages back and forth maybe you hop on a call later, you know, to get to know each other better, but it's really wild how on clubhouse just instantly you build a connection just by meeting somebody through voice by meeting somebody through, hi, I'm Derek. This is what I do. Oh, you're Richard. That's what you do. Interesting. And so then we find ourselves connecting on LinkedIn afterwards and you already have this really strong, you know, it feels like, you know, relationship with each other, just having met in such a, you know, from in a voice to voice way. So yeah, I found it to be, you know, I, I just, I think another analogy people use is it's sort of like, been like, been like going to a conference, you know, here in, in COVID times. And so in, in that regards, especially thinking about expanding professional network and meeting new people, um, I found it really valuable. Yeah, it's definitely, um, it's definitely an interesting platform. And I think it, it's almost like the wild, wild west now where it's just, you know, there's just so much going on on there. Um, luckily it does have a way to kind of like, if you're following people, like it'll know, you know, to only show you rooms that of people that you might, that are people that you're following might be in. So it, it keeps it a little bit relevant, but you know, a lot of times it's difficult, I think, to, to get value out of a room, depending on what room you might join. Cause if you join a room and it just, it sucks, you actually can't really know ahead of time, you know, <laughs> like until you actually spend some time, um, you know, being in a room that might not provide you, you know, some value, um, People talk about it potentially even replacing podcasts, which I think is interesting. But, um, you know, I feel like there's the thing about podcasts that's so cool, especially I'm sure anyone that's listening to this can relate, is that, you know, you can listen to a podcast kind of on your own time, you know, on demand and at your own pace. And whereas on Clubhouse, it's like you have to be there at that time that that's going on. So it's, it's a little interesting, a little different that way. But um yeah, I've been, one, one, one really helpful piece of advice I think I read on actually on Twitter of sort of an analysis of how to like use Clubhouse best. And so how I've been using it lately is, you know, I certainly just sort of check in from time to time to see what's going on. But this person suggested, you know, you can you can set alerts for specific people who you've had great conversations with and then make it a rule for yourself to just join 
you know, when you get an alert from Clubhouse that they're in a room or that they're talking, that they started a room to sort of, you know, take the guessing out of what sort of, um, you know, how you're going to spend your time uh, when you when you join in the app. Of course, it's great for, you know, just de-stressing and relaxing and for pure entertainment as well. And so I think that's the beauty of it is, you you know, you can really find, you know, either of those experiences and, and you can do it based upon your interests, um, you know, ad nauseum. Yeah. And there's a lot of opportunity there, especially for, I think, for pharmacists, uh, for pharmacy in general, but um, whether you're a student or a pharmacist, but uh, I think some people are actually utilizing it to kind of go like um, interprofessional, like connecting with nurses and physicians and like other healthcare professionals. But I think there's probably a lot of value in it there where it's just, you know, pharmacists connecting with other pharmacists and kind of diving into things that each other's are working on and seeing how we can help each other. So um, a lot, a lot of interesting opportunity. I think, I don't think there's a lot of us on there, at least, you know, it's a lot of times I see a lot of the same um, in terms of like pharmacists, but hopefully, you know, more of the community will hop in there and have more conversations. But um, I think, uh, I think it's, I think it's a tool that has a lot of potential. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So bonus question, you get one person to take out to dinner. Who would that person be and why? Yeah, you know, Richard, I, um, I've been, you know, enjoying tuning into Arcs Radio and I, you know, I've heard you ask this question. And so I could not decide for the life of me, though, who to pick because there's two people that I can't decide between. So I'm going to I'm going to set them up on a double dinner date and, and third <laughs> okay. wheel. Um, so I'm going to I'm going to play fly on the wall to a, a dinner date between um, Elon Musk and, and LeBron James. And, you know, so, so if I just dated myself as the ultimate, like millennial kind of stereotypical fanboy here, uh, so be it. Um, but yeah, really, you know, both of them have been, you know, in my life for a while as like people I admire and kind of for the same exact reason, which is how both of them are incredibly prolific, uh, having their hands in multiple different, um, endeavors, Mm -hmm. but also sticking really true to like their craft, so, you know, what I mean by that is, you know, LeBron, you know, his, his day job is being, you know, one of the best three basketball players ever. And however, for the last decade, he's been spending so much time, you know, building things off the court, you know, both nonprofit and for-profit. Yet while, while doing that, he continues to get better and better at, at, at his craft, at, at the product, at what he does with, with basketball. And kind of Elon, for you know, the same reason, he obviously, is, you know, is famous for being the CEO of two incredibly huge companies while having his hands in a number of other companies. But if you ask him, you know, what he does, you know, he describes himself as, as an engineer and he still very, very much likes to think about the problems that the companies are solving. And so that's kind of, you know, where, where I aspire to be in life is, you know, having, you know, I think there's lots of interests I have. And so I hope to be able to contribute to multiple different types of problems and endeavors, but also be, you know, sharpening my sword as a, you know, as, as a product, minded, you know, founder or, you know, a, cl- a clinician domain expertise, you know, pro- bringing that to, to solving problems. So, you know, for that reason, I'd, I'd enjoy hearing, you know, both of those individuals um, in, in, in to learn from, you know, from that conversation. You know, the, the, they're both definitely goats that I would have not thought to put <laughs> together in, at a dinner table. So I would actually be extremely interested to hear, you know, LeBron, he did those like those barbershop docuseries. I would love to throw Elon into one of those and just see what happens. You know what I'm talking about? Have oh, you seen that? That yeah, no, 100 percent No, that would be everything coming together right there. <laughs> that yeah. would be perfect. That's funny. Oh, you know, another thing I admire about both of them is how willing they are to go against 
you know, whatever's popular. You know, both of them, if they have a mission and it involves going through a storm, you know, they're going to do it. They're going to they're going to turn the ship and face the wind head on. And, you know, I, I, I feel like I I took it. I definitely took a ton of crap from my friends when I was like very excited about LeBron going to Miami and doing exactly what he wanted to do. And, you know, same with same with Elon. Just check the check the news on how he, who he's making mad, you know, today. <laughs> and so, I, you know, whether or not I agree with every decision they make, you know, I, I, I admire the the courage to you know proceed in the way they do you know, with their own conviction. You know what I think is really interesting about a time like, like what we're going through now, you know, someone like you and myself, like I'm, I'm raised in Miami. So I'm a huge Miami Heat fan. And luckily LeBron actually came here. But even before that, I was a LeBron fan, like before he came to Miami. And it's just, it's an interesting time because I think historically people have been so attached to like teams and like, you know, the, obviously the teams that they're from or maybe where they're, where they were born or something like that. But I think it's so interesting that over time we've become attached to like the people and like, no matter what team they're on, it's like, we're a fan of them and like, we're rooting for them, you know, at some point. So it's really interesting uh, time to be, I think as a fan, like a sports fan. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I find myself in the exact same place with, with LeBron and, and other figures. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm uh, you know, that's, that's pretty, I, I like, well, I mean, there's pros and cons of everything, but I, you know, I'm enjoying how, how normalized that is and, and the, the experience as a fan and you know, just as someone who, you know, admires these people. Yeah. Well, uh, Derek, this was a fascinating conversation. Um, I really appreciate a lot of your time and your insights. And um, I wanted to, um, before I let you go, can you let the listeners know what's the best way to um, connect back with you? And, and just also, you know, if they wanted to um, connect with you on social media, whether it's like through Pearls or, or Pharmacist Dev. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, definitely. You know, I, I really find LinkedIn to be a super valuable tool to connect with, especially other pharmacists or other professionals. So please um, look me up. I'm, I'm Derek Borkowski. Uh, the only Derek Borkowski comma farm D uh, on LinkedIn. That's a you know, rather uncommon name. So please look, look me up if you, if you're so inclined, otherwise, yeah. And, and you kind of mentioned it earlier, one of the really driving forces behind pearls has been um, an Instagram account that we have. So that's where we do end up doing a lot of sharing of different uh, clinical facts. Um, a lot of times often at, simultaneously as we're releasing new content uh, into the app. So please follow us on Instagram as, and otherwise check out uh, pearls.com, uh, P-Y-R-L-S.com. Awesome. I'll definitely make sure to include all of these links in the show notes. So if anyone wants to connect, they can. Derek, again, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Richard. Hope you all enjoyed that episode. Again, I'm going to include all of the links that uh, Derek had mentioned in the show notes. Uh, if you do look for the Pearls app, it's P-Y-R-L-S. That's how you spell Pearls. So I actually worked with Derek to get a seven-day full access trial. Um, just use the promo code RxRadio, and it's going to be for a free seven days of um, of a full trial of the entire app. Um, so check it out. They, it does have a free version, you know, so you can continue to use it um, without actually having to pay for a subscription. But uh, I've been using the app, and it's actually amazing. I mean, it has like charts, it has tables. Um, it's just it's a really innovative way um, to access drug information in a way that I really enjoy. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't yet. Follow RX Radio on any of your favorite social media platforms. And as always, thank you so much for tuning in. I really do appreciate you tuning into the episodes. Hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Pharmacy.